Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about the title of this uh, lesson that I have is, uh, What is Your Why? And uh, Jade is one of my colleagues here tonight with her son, Brian. She works with me. She's going to find this a familiar topic because I got this title when I was listening recently to a a video presentation uh, of a gentleman that was talking about businesses, and he was talking about, you know, how successful businesses operate and the really good ones and the ones that are really successful are the ones that really know how to define their why. They're driven by the right why. And they're not driven by really what they do, but they're driven by why they do it. And he gave a bunch of examples, but for me, I was sending it out in relation to uh, one of the companies that I happen to be a part of and own a part of, and it's a company that treats addiction. And it treats it on an outpatient basis. We provide counseling and we provide medication for people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol. And I started thinking about this why uh, of, of that business. And that's kind of got my head going. And I was thinking, you know, we could define what we do in that business as treating people for addiction. We can talk about the services we provide. But at the heart of what we do in that business, our why is we help people. That's really what it's about. And if every decision we make in that company comes from the standpoint of we want to help people, we'll make better decisions. You know, if we're not, if we just look at kind of what we do and not why we do it, we'll really kind of miss the heart of really the business and and what makes it successful. And uh, he gave a bunch of examples in that video. He talked about Apple and about TiVo and other companies. But the one that really kind of struck me as very interesting was the story of flight of of basically if you go back to the 1800s and the race to be the first to fly a powered aircraft and uh, you, there's one of the groups there was actually two groups trying to do this and one you'll be very familiar with the Wright brothers right uh, and the other one though is a, a gentleman named uh, Samuel Pierpoint Langley and you may be less familiar with Samuel um, but if you look at these two groups that were trying to be the first, the Wright brothers, you know, they didn't have really any money. Uh, they funded the entire operation just from their bike shop. They weren't well educated. Uh, matter of fact, neither of the brothers finished high school. Uh, they had, didn't have really good teams. They didn't have the best engineers. They didn't have a a lot of you know, expertise on their team, and they had nobody really that was paying attention to what they were doing because nobody thought they would be successful. And then on the other hand, you had Samuel Langley, and Samuel Langley was uh, funded by the government. He had been given a bond uh, to fund this operation. Uh, he himself was highly educated. He had a chair after him at Harvard, and he was at the Smithsonian, and he was able to hire the best engineers and uh, the media, the New York Times, would follow him around documenting everything that he did. But the person that succeeded, that prospered, that actually is the one that got the airplane off the ground, was the Wright brothers. And in listening to this video, he would tell you that probably the reason for that is it had to do with their why. See, Samuel's why was really just to get rich. He just wanted to make a name for himself and... Uh, and make money doing it. But if you looked at the Wright brothers, their why was they wanted to change the world. You know, they didn't care about the fame or the money. They wanted to change the world. And when I saw that on the video, it reminded me, I don't know if you remember in the Bible series where 
uh, Jesus walks up to, to Peter at the very end of, I think, the first episode, and he says, Peter, come follow me. And Peter turns around and looks at him and says, you know, why? What, what are we going to do? And he says, what? We're going to change the world. Well, because of that why, they were successful. And because of the why that Samuel had, chasing money and things, he failed. And if you look at the, what was driving them and how they reacted and how they lived their life and how they chased after this dream, well, the Wright brothers, they literally ran into the headwinds. You know, I mean, really, literally, they, the way they got the plane off the ground is that they would take out m- multiple sets of, of, of parts every day, and they would try to fly it into the wind, right, because that was what they thought would help create the lift, and it destroyed plane after plane after plane, and that's still actually the way that planes take off today. Now, Samuel, on the other hand, he went over the Potomac River and chose safety, calm air, he wasn't willing to take chances. He wasn't willing to take risk. And, and, and then, if you look fast forward to the, to the time that day, December 17th of 1903, when the Wright brothers actually got the plane off the ground, a few days later, what did Samuel uh, do? He quit. And it took him a few days to actually do it because nobody was following the Wright brothers and took him a few days just to figure out what they had done. So it's kind of an interesting story to, to prove a point. And what happened after I watched this and I really just kind of kept thinking about this and thinking about this, what's your why, what's your why, I started thinking about it just in terms of my Christian walk. You know, I started thinking about, well, why am I a Christian? You know, why am I a believer? You know, and I started thinking maybe if my why was right, that maybe I would get more out of this life. You know, maybe I would be more successful. Maybe I would take more risk. Maybe when times were hard, I wouldn't be as likely to give up. You know, and then I started thinking, okay, well, let's, let's step back even further and let's think about the 15,000 plus people that attend Prestonwood every weekend or the people in this class. And I started thinking, what's, what's your why? I mean, why, why do we do what we do? And I, I came up with some... Uh, some examples of what I thought could be possible wise. I'd be interested to, to hear if you can think of any, but I was not trying to think of the churchy answers, right? Because we could all give the churchy answer, but I was trying to come up with reasons of the why. Why, why are you here? Because I look out across there, it's filled with people, and if you came up on Sunday, it would be filled with even more people. Why are they here? I mean, why are they at Prestonwood every Saturday night and every Sunday? Why do you come to this class? And there's lots of things you could list, right? I mean, it could just be to get to heaven, Maybe that's your total why, is I just want to make sure that I'm going to get to heaven. Or, you know, maybe it's to meet somebody. For friendship, I mean, that's a, a lot of people's probably reason. Maybe it's just the food, get Chick-fil-A. It's a good reason to come. Right? Maybe you uh, maybe you're, have a crisis in your life and you just need help. That'd be another reason, not a bad one either. You know, some people come to the church just for the social services. You know, just to get help, really. You know, it could be singing the choir. A lot of people like to sing in the choir. Maybe we got a great choir. It's a big choir, lots of room. You know, maybe, uh, maybe it's just because that's just what you feel like you have to do, to look right in the community. You know, it's just what we do. I, I spent 10 years of my life doing it that way, just going. I thought it's what I was supposed to do. It's what Aaron told me to do, so <laughs> I did it. You know, maybe it just makes you feel good. Could be another reason. Maybe it keeps you from being lonely. Or it could be that 
you know, somebody made you come. I guess if you're a child, right? Maybe you're here because somebody made you come. You know, just trying to figure out what is your why? Why, why, why do all of this? Why be a Christian, identify as a Christian? And then I started thinking further beyond that to, well, what would Jesus say? You know, what would Jesus say should be our why? Any thoughts on that? What do you think Jesus would say should be our why that trumps everything? That's another good one. Another good one. But the, what did he tell you was the, the first and greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the only real why. That's got to be what drives you is that you love Christ with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's the first and the greatest commandment. And he even, he even tells us what that looks like. So look over in Matthew chapter 10 for a minute. He, he gives us an example of what this looks like. What it means to love him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This whole chapter 10 is really kind of an ordination for the disciples. And the first part of it, he calls the 12 disciples. And the rest of this chapter, among others, he's really preparing those disciples for what's to come. You know, so he goes through these, these different sections to talk about persecution and courage, really, not to walk through life in fear. And then he gets down to this other uh, section called, in my Bible, not peace but a sword. And he's really here making a point of, you know, who are you going to choose? You know, who's going to be the first? Who are you going to love the most? And if you look down there in starting in verse 37, he's going to tell us what this means. He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. That not worthy of me just means you don't love me. <clears throat> and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So basically, basically Jesus is saying here, listen, if you really, if you love me more than anything, if I'm your why, okay, you're going to love me more than your family, more than your children, more than, than anyone that you would hold dear. You're going to love me more than the comforts of life. That's what he's talking about there in the cross. You're going to, you're going to love me more than just taking the easy way. And you're going to love me more than you love yourself. In the last part of that, in verse 39. But what really jumps out at me is the first part there in verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more, or whoever loves son or daughter more, is not worthy. doesn't love me. doesn't have He's not thinking about me in the way he should be in terms of the first and greatest commandment. And the reason that kind of strikes me is because when I think about it, I would say everybody can relate at least to one of these people, right? I mean, probably a mother or a father or a son or a daughter is someone that, that you love so, so dearly. I mean, I know in my life, I tell my children all the time, and in fact, I tell William, William, I love you more than anything in the world. And he'll tell me, but what about Gracie and what about Spencer? I'm like, well, all right, dads can love a lot of children more than anything in the world, right? But I just think about how much I love my children. And then I, when I read this verse, I just start thinking to myself, wow. I mean, really, wow. 
I mean, because I know how much I love my children. I know how much they mean to me, and I know what I would do for them. And yet Jesus is telling me that I have to love him more. Right? I have to put him above them. I mean, that puts it in perspective, doesn't it, in terms of, of how much he expects, of what he really expects your why to be, that you're going to love him more than anything. More than anything. That's what he's calling us to do. More than anything that we could put value on. More than ourselves, more than comfort, more than family, more than, more than our mother and father, more than our children. And I'm going to tell you, that's really, to me, that just is, it kind of blows me away, honestly. It kind of blows me away because I get to see my children every day, right? I get to be with them. I get to hold them. I get to, to interact with them. And to think that, that this God, okay, that I've really not ever got to shake hands with and hold the same way, he's saying, listen, you got to love me more. you got to love me more. And, I, and then I look around, and I was thinking about this, and as I was doing studying for this week, I was looking kind of at examples. And, and, and on this point, I came across a, a, an example uh, of a missionary, Adoniram Judson. Have you ever heard of Adoniram? Got one there. Anybody else? Adoniram Judson was thought to be the first foreign missionary uh, from the U.S. in the 1800s. And uh, he was in love with a lady named Anne. And Adoniram and Anne were going to go over to India. They were some of the first missionaries there and ended up actually in a little area called Burma. And uh, before, though, uh, he was going to go, Adoniram had to ask uh, Anne's father for her hand in marriage. And he wrote a letter to her father. I was going to read this letter to you. Wrong one. He, re- he wrote this letter. And here's what he said when he was asking for permission to, to marry uh, Anne. He said, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring, to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to see her departure to a heathen land, and her subjection to hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, to insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all of this for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all of this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise which shall be redound to her Savior from heathen saved through her means for eternal woe and despair? I mean, now that's the letter, right? This is you're asking for your daughter's hand in marriage and you're basically saying, listen, you're never going to see her again. She's going to leave you. She's going to go overseas to serve her God, and she's probably going to endure great persecution, and she's probably even going to endure a violent death. You know, and I think about that just from his standpoint and also from hers. She gladly went, and he gladly let her. And if you think about it, and if you look in further into the story, it was really kind of a prophetic uh, letter at the end of the day. When they got there, it was tough, tough times there, and seeing people come to Christ. Um, but some of the stuff they did, some of the language translation that they did then still used today, 
So the building blocks that they built in India still today exist, had to risk their life every single day. And then in 1826, Adoniram uh, was arrested and put in prison. When he was in prison, he was beaten brutally, uh, suffered greatly. In fact, they said that uh, at night, the way they would make him sleep is they would bind his hands behind his back and they would hang him from the ceiling from his feet so that just his shoulders would be on the ground. And the heat over 100 degrees and the mosquitoes and the flies eating his face. Every day he endured this for 18 months. And during this time, his wife gave birth to a daughter that he had not seen yet. And she was starving to death herself, but yet still walking two miles a day to the prison just to see him. In fact, she got so weak she couldn't walk anymore, so she built a little tent outside of the prison and she slept outside of that prison. But neither one of them ever gave up. They never gave up. Eventually he would get released and uh, his wife would soon die thereafter at a very, very young age. And Adoniram would spend another 25 years burying seven more children in India for God. Now, when I look at that story and I think about that, I just think to myself, there's no way you could do that if you didn't have the right why. There's just no way you could endure that. There's no way you would have let your daughter go. You're, there's no way if you're her, you would have left unless you had the right why. Unless you love Jesus more than anything. Unless he had your complete heart. There's no other way that you could do that. Would you agree? That's the only way. There's no way you're going. There's no way you're answering that call. There's no way you're reading that letter and saying, hey, Gracie, go to India. There's no way, unless you love Christ more than anything, there's no way you can do that. And listen, it doesn't have to apply, you know, to, to, to these stories, to the Wright brothers and to, to the, you know, the, the change of the world that they did in creating flight. And it doesn't have to relate to going to India and being in a prison hanging from your feet. That's not exactly what we're talking about, but, but the truth of the matter is just this, that The results of your life, the fruit, if you will, of your life, how you live your life, whether you give up when things are hard or whether you push through, whether you're willing to take chances, whether you're willing to to live and, and, and die for Christ is a direct reflection of your why. If your why is those that I mentioned earlier and that I read, if that's your why, then your results are going to follow. Then your results are going to follow. If, if your job, for example, is your why in life, well, you're, you're going to get the results of that. You're going to be constantly chasing success. You're going to be constantly chasing success. If money is your why, a lot of people in life, that's their why. I want to make a lot of money. That's why I do what I do. You've heard that said before, I'm sure. Well, if that's your why, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get money, and you're going to get all the evil that comes along with it. Now, you may have the wrong why and still get to heaven, like we talked about, because this isn't a why of salvation. That's still faith. It's still by God's grace and your faith. It's not talking about that. We're talking about the why behind your behavior. 
But it does, if you think about it, give us a little insight into those 15,000 that come every week, right? Because I, I rack my brains uh, on this topic all the time. I try to sit here and think, okay, what is it? What is it that differentiates people across that, that congregation? Why is it that some people are so content with just showing up? Why is it that some people are just, they're okay, just come, I just do my time, I'm here, and I go home. I mean, why is that? And yet there's some that are just massively on fire for Jesus. And I try all the time to figure that out and try to reconcile it in, in my mind. And I can tell you, maybe part of the reason is, is those that are content just being here, maybe they don't have the right why. You may be a Christian and have the wrong why. You may be going to heaven but you can't today say, my why is that I love Jesus with all my heart. That I love Jesus more than anything. If that's not your why, the results, they will follow. So a question that we all have to ask ourselves, everybody that's in that church, every Christian needs to ask is, what's our why? You know, and I'm convinced, really, that a lot of Christians want this i'm not suggesting that people out there don't want this but you know what maybe they just don't know what it looks like or maybe how to get it right because it is kind of hard to get your head around a little bit you know so maybe maybe they just don't know what it looks like or how to get it and that's what i want to talk a little bit about tonight i got this handout that addresses these two questions with some blanks that we can fill in but the first one is what does it look like you know, what, is, what are the characteristics of someone that has the right why? If you love Jesus more than anything, what, what does that look like in a person's life? And I, I have three things. If you love Jesus more than anything, you will, number one, love others. You will, number one, love others. It's the second greatest commandment, right? Right? Love others as you love yourself. If you'd have been at uh, our prepare yourself today, you would have heard Darren give a great study on love and loving others. And I encourage you, if you can get here a few minutes early, to come at 440 and pray before service. It's really a blessing. Really a blessing. But listen, loving others... It's the first characteristic. It was the second greatest commandment. And if you do look over in 1 John, if you turn to 1 John and you looked at verse 20, this whole chapter, I, 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 I asked you to turn there, and sometimes I do this because I want to get you focused on certain parts of the Bible. But 1 John chapter 4, it's a great, great chapter. Starting in verse 7 is a great section, if you will, on, on love. But he makes it clear how important this is. If you go down to verse 20, it says, If anyone says, I love God... And hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who has, does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. They go hand in hand. You can't love God with all your heart, soul, and mind if you don't love others. They're connected. Not always easy. <laughs> not always easy. Sometimes it's really hard, actually. I guarantee you this, though. Sometimes it's hard even for Jesus to love us. I mean, just take a look at your own life sometime and think about how hard that is to, to think that he, 
he was willing to die on a cross for you. You know, rarely are we all, even when we kind of look at critically at our own lives, are we perfect? I know I'm not. Far from it. But if you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you're going to love others. Second thing you're going to do is you're going to keep his commands. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, we don't do it to earn his love, right? I mean, some religions think that way. It's about what you do, you know, and you have to earn God's love. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. No, it's, it's the why that drives the obedience. Because we love God, we're obedient. It's, because, it's why we do what we do. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. You'll obey my commandments. And listen, it's, it's not that you get a grace pass, right? It's not, you can't use the legalism card. Being obedient is just part of it. And I think it's uh, interesting, a chapter that sometimes I maybe doesn't get read that much, but the same guy that wrote Ephesians wrote Romans, Apostle Paul. And if you look in chapter 12 of Romans, starting in verse 9, he has this, this section where he talks about, in the ESV Bible, it's actually titled, A True Christian. Now, that's interesting. A true Christian. And he tries to go through and tell us what a true Christian looks like. I've got to find Romans. Romans chapter 12. Verse 9. I'm going to read it to you. This is a... This is pretty high standards. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Don't be lazy. Be fervent in spirit. Be passionate. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's a lot, man. You, I, you, could, you could do a whole series of about ten classes on those verses right there. But it's what Paul says are the marks of a true Christian. And as I went through this and I was studying each one of these, I just became so evident to me that there's just no possible way that I could ever do this if my why is not right. I'm just going to give up on some of these. There's some that are just going to be too hard. If I don't love Jesus with all my heart, I'm just not going to follow through on all of these. It's a high standard. But if my why is right, if I truly love Jesus with all my heart, I'm going to press on, like Paul says. 
I'm going to live, try my best to be this person. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Sure, we do everything in Christ and his strength, but don't let anybody ever tell you that you shouldn't try to live up to this. That's why he has it in here. That's why he's telling you this is what it looks like. Through the power of Christ, you can do this if you have the right why. So you're going to keep his commandments. And then, you know, maybe one of the harder ones, you're going to follow him no matter the cost. Now, this one right here is a tough one, isn't it? You're going to follow him no matter the cost. Luke 9.23 says that if you want to follow Jesus, what? You'll deny yourself and every day you'll pick up your cross. Follow him. And if you go back to Matthew 10 where we started in verse 38, what does he say there? If you're not willing to do that, you don't love me. If you love him with all your heart, you're going to follow him. No matter what the cost is. I guarantee you, Adoniram and Ann Judson, they were living this out. Their whole life was a reflection of this. Carrying that cross. Denying themselves, putting Christ first in everything that they did. It's the ultimate result of the why. Being willing to do it. And I know in my own life, I mean, I can, I can try to get through the first two. The loving others. I I'm passionate about serving people, so I can get through that one. And keeping his commands, I, you know, I really do want to do as God's called me to do. I really want to live that kind of life. I want to live a holy life. I want to be sanctified. I want to become more and more like Christ. But when I get to that last one, I'll tell you, honestly, it's hard sometimes to think through that. I've said before, you know, the scariest prayer is God use me no matter what. And, it, and it's part of that, you know. If God calls you to do something like go to India, are you willing to do it? That's hard. If I'm really being honest with myself, this one's a hard one for me. How do I do that? You know, and I, 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 I like I said, I can get through the first two. I mess them up, but they make sense in my mind. But this one scares me. Follow him no matter the cost. But I got to believe there's a lot of people, like I said, out there that wants this. And that they would say the same thing. You know, Scott, I, I do okay with some of this, but I'm not really maybe getting it all. You know, I, I want to love Jesus with all my heart, soul, and my mind. I want to make that my why, but I really don't know how. So I wanted to give three ways that have helped me. Three ways that in my life have helped make my why the right why. The first one, pray. Just ask God. If you go back and looked in John chapter 14, if you looked in verse 16, right after he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. He says that I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to help you. Just pray, ask God. I've said before, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? You surrender. Say, God, I surrender my will to your will. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me to love you with all my heart with all my soul and with all my mind. That's okay. You can ask for that. It doesn't make you less of a Christian to ask God to help you, to grow your love. That's okay. You can pray for this. The second thing I would tell you to do is to reflect, to reflect on what God has done in your life. You know, in giving my testimony, I've said this many times that, you know, I was saved at a point in time and, early 2008, but it was much later, actually, 
before I fell in love with Christ. And I always, I can remember it so vividly when I fell in love with Christ. It's when I, it's when I recognized how much he loved me when I didn't even think about him. When I thought back and looked at my life and I thought of all the different ways that I could have went horribly wrong, all the, 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 the catastrophic decisions that I had made that didn't turn out catastrophic. When I realized that, when I realized how much he loved me, even when I didn't even care about him, that's when I fell in love with Jesus. So reflect on that. You know, if you go back over into 1 John, in chapter 4, verse 19, it says that you love me because I first loved you. Reflect on how much God loves you. And the last one is serve. Is serve. Go serve somebody. Serve others. If loving God and loving others go hand in hand, they also go hand in hand with serving God and serving others. I'll tell you, it'll change your life. It will change your life. Other than the reflection of looking back in that moment in time, I will tell you what grew my love for God more than anything is serving others. Is getting my hands dirty. Getting in there and sacrificing my life for somebody else's. Nothing better to grow your love for God. In fact, Jesus talked about it. If you remember in Matthew chapter 25, remember when he was talking about, we've studied this before. It's a great uh, passage of scripture and it's so interesting because if you remember in that chapter 25, Jesus is, is basically talking about the two different groups, one that's going to go to heaven and one that's going to go to hell. And the mark that he uses to, to, to call them on either side is how they've served others. And in that, he says that, that remember when you, when you fed me and when you clothed me and when you gave me drink and when you gave me a place to stay? And one of them, the righteous man, said, well, you know, Jesus, when did we do that? He said, you did it when you did it for others, the least. When you served others, you showed your love for me. There is nothing better to grow your love, to change the way you, your why, than to go serve. Amen. And I'll tell you, massive opportunities just in this class. Just in this class. You could, you could come up and tell me, Scott, I want to serve. I want to I serve others. I want to grow my love for Christ. I want to perfect my why. We'll give you all kinds of things you could do, I promise. This is a class that, that needs servants. It needs servants. A lot of needs in this class. Need people to step up and say, I want to serve. And not just in here. My goodness. Every community in Dallas. Everywhere. Serve. You want to build your love? Serve. You know, and, I, and, and listen, I know that it's easy for me to say this and we can write it down, but... You know, it's then like, okay, life just keeps coming at me. Keeps hitting me over the head. Keeps challenging me. I know it's not easy. But I'll tell you, don't ever give up on God. Don't ever start, stop believing that it's worth trying to run after him and make it your why. Don't ever think that it's not worth it. God is faithful. I guarantee you, there were times where, when Adoniram and Anne, when they wanted to give up. I, mean, I think about those stories, man, and it just gives me great perspective because I guarantee you there were times when they just wanted to quit, 
when it was too hard. So easy, right? They didn't, nobody was making them be there. They could have just come back home. But they didn't. Because God is faithful. And the rewards. If you looked over in Luke 18, remember when he was talking to the rich young ruler? I mean, that whole story is about this very point, right? It's that you got to love me more than anything because the rich young ruler said, listen, I've done all these things. He's like, well, yeah, yeah, well, go sell everything. Give it to the poor and then come back and talk to me. But at the end of that, at the end of that parable, when he's talking about that, what does he say at the end there? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, there will be no one that leaves their mother and their father that comes after me for the sake of the kingdom that will not get what many times more in these times and in eternity. The rewards are great. They don't always look like the rewards of the world, but the rewards today in this time and eternity are great. So never, ever give up on perfecting your why. Amen? Amen. All right, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this night. Lord, thank you for this class. God, I pray, Lord, that for all of us, Lord, that you would, Lord, that you would inspire us with your spirit, Lord, that inside of us you would ignite a passion, a passion, a love for you, Lord, that, that just grows and grows and grows. Lord, I pray, God, that we would make our love for you our why in everything that we do. Lord, I pray that it would just guide us and direct us, Lord. And Lord, I pray, God, that our results that come from that, Lord, would be miraculous. Lord, I pray that because of us and our love for you, I pray, Lord, that it would impact those around us. Or that you would heal relationships and Lord, you would just heal the brokenness. Because, Lord, we know that, God, if we love you, we put you first and we chase after you with all of our heart. If that's our only focus, we know that you're going to be there for us. We know, Lord, that you're going to help us in our time of need. Lord, we know that the rewards are great. Not just in eternity, but today. It's your promise, Lord, and we claim it today. In Jesus' name, amen.